All right, so we are in the book of Matthew doing discussions in that book. And last week, we didn't get very far, uh, in part because of all of the questions and the discussions that we had. That's good. Uh, it's not good for the people who are listening to the recordings, because all they get is the readings, and there wasn't much read last time. But uh, our focus is on what we're doing. Uh, they can always email us if they have questions, what was asked, what was answered, that kind of thing. Uh, and it maybe will uh, uh, encourage some to begin to think about these kind of discussions for themselves. So, we are uh, beginning with uh, Matthew chapter 6. We are in the Sermon on the Mount. We got through chapter 5. Uh, the context there is that, as we were discussing, is Jesus is telling Israel, remember there are no Baptists, no Methodists, no Americans, no French there. This is Jesus speaking to Israel, telling them they are the light of the world and that they are to uh, have a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. And then he goes into detail about the intent of the commandments, and the uh, focus on caring for people and going the extra mile and loving not just those who love you, but your enemy in that context. In other words, he's bringing the Torah and the commandments into full operation. One of the things that's really important, we're, we're seeing this again in... Uh, several writings of scholars of late that are trying to say that Christians uh, should get rid of the Old Testament. We should ignore the commandments because we're not Israel. That part is true. Uh, but then they have a replacement that the gospel has replaced Israel and all the covenants. Jesus said, I didn't come for that purpose. I came to bring them into full operation. Because that's what's going to happen in the kingdom. And so we should be focused on that. Now, could, at the end of chapter 5, in verse 48, Jesus says, Therefore you are to be perfect, you are to be complete, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That doesn't end the chapter. It brings him to a new series of issues where he is Helping them go beyond just the form of religion. The Bible talks about in the latter days people will have a form of godliness but deny its power. And in other words, there is a facade, this external appearance of religiosity but no substance uh, behind it. So, we move into chapter 6 and in chapter 6 we begin with verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet in front of you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. I tell you, truthfully, they have their reward in full. When you give to the poor... Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is in secret will, be, will reward you. 
Now I'm going to stop there for a moment, not only to get some water, but I want you to, uh, I want to mention something about the words here. The word secret doesn't mean secret in the sense of, uh, in the extreme, absolutely nobody is to know what's going on, because Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we have to be careful about an extreme here. Uh, he is talking about one extreme and therefore is giving the other side of that. There are people who are doing things only to be seen of men. And so they make a big deal about what they're doing. Here I'm giving to the poor. Look at me, I'm giving to the poor. Isn't this great? I'm giving to the poor. And in that context, their focus is not the poor. Their focus is not obedience to God. Their focus is to be seen of men. And that's the uh, issue that will be mentioned here, not only about giving to the poor, but also about prayer and also about fasting. In each case... Jesus will say, don't do this to be seen of men. Okay? The motive cannot be in order for people to think I'm a good person. They should see it in a way, if they see it. They should see it in a way that they realize you are obeying God humbly. And therefore glorify God in heaven for what is being done. Um, and so it's important to keep that in mind. So uh, since I think that's a major point here, let's go ahead and stop the tape and see if there are. We'll pick it up uh, at uh, verse 5. So he now, now, in this section, when he talks about prayer, he's going to continue what I just said, this idea that your focus is to be on uh, the two great commandments, God and and loving one another uh, in that context, and not on yourself, and certainly not drawing attention to yourself. But he's going to go into more detail on prayer than he does with the other two, and I believe that that is because there is a need to also instruct beyond that principle in the area of prayer. So let's just uh, take a look at that. In verse 5 he says, When you pray, uh, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So here we have the same principle that we just talked about. Then he says, and when you are praying... Do not use meaningless repetition, repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard by their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need before you ask. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, in many of our Bibles, there's a verse here that's taken from two other passages in the Old Testament to make this prayer a more public prayer. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, I want to say something about the prayer before we read a little further. He says, don't pray to be seen of men. Again, to be seen of men is your focus is on the wrong place. When you're praying, your focus should be on God. It is not easy to have your focus on God when you are trying to mouth a prayer. You guys know that when you do that in, in the liturgy. And that's one of the reasons why liturgical prayers are often dead, said communally, like the Lord's Prayer in most liturgies is done with some regularity, so that the entire congregation can speak together and they're not having to think about the words. Because the minute you're thinking about what you're saying, your focus is on you. And if you're thinking about what you're saying because it's being heard by other people, you really go into performance mode. And so that's why the majority of our prayer should be uh, private prayer. Uh, we do communal prayer. There's nothing wrong with communal prayer. Uh, the danger with communal prayer is that we start explaining to God all the details as if he didn't know. But the reason we're explaining all the details is because other people are listening. This is one of the reasons why uh, prayer requests and then asking people to pray for that becomes so cumbersome. Now, he wants us to avoid hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is giving the appearance of spiritual connecting to God when the reality is we're just doing it to be heard of men. Uh, so the vast majority of our prayer ought to be private. I'm, I'm always reminded of the Lord's Prayer in Gethsemane. He comes to his disciples and he says, Stay here and pray with me. Then he takes Peter, James, and John, goes a little further and says, Pray with me. And then he goes a little further and prays. The Bible says about a stone's throw. So he's not saying, Listen to what I pray for. And say amen. That's the communal prayers. He's saying pray about this with me. Pray for me. I'm struggling. He's just told them what's going to happen with him. But they're not all holding hands. Having a kumbaya moment. Praying. Right? They are praying earnestly. So it's become my practice. In most of my prayers. If I visit somebody in the hospital. To go into the chapel and pray for them. Go up and talk to them. Go back and pray for them and go out. Now, if somebody asks me to pray for them, I will certainly do it. But I believe the majority of our prayer should be where we can focus on God. The other thing is, if I'm praying for you, there may be some things I really want to say to God on your behalf that I don't want you hearing. <laughs> right? Uh, and so the reality is that, that the private prayer is really what he's focused on. And... You don't have to storm heaven with a, with, with a vocabulary, right? This prayer that he teaches his disciples is relatively uh, simple. It's very quick. It can be said very easily. Uh, and we sometimes turn prayer into some massive, time-consuming 
uh, framework. So um, I, think, I think that's important. So he, he kind of gives them their public prayer, tells them privately that they should uh, uh, seek God. Now, in verse 14, he says, um, when you, uh, For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. This is important because in the prayer he says, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us or who are our debtors. This notion of, I want God to forgive me, but I don't want to forgive others is part of this being perfect like your Father who is in heaven perfect. In other words, our behavior is to be more patient with people, more forgiving of people, more tolerant of people, more doing for people, focused on that, and then realizing that God will treat us the way we treat other people. That pattern is found several times in the scriptures. One is a warning to husbands that if you ignore your wife when she uh, talks to you, I will not hear your prayers. In other words, I'm going to treat you the way you treat your wife. God will forgive us the way we forgive others. Uh, God will be generous to us as we are generous to others. That, that idea that I'm treating you the way you treat others because you're supposed to be acting like me. So if you act different than me, I'll start acting like you towards you uh, is part of this, this biblical teaching. So we're going to stop there.